Welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam, and we're just celebrating once again as the Raw won their first game of the year after seven attempts. Guys, how are we? Yeah, good. Uh, the celebratory episode's actually pretty good, back-to-back. I think yeah, we might have a milestone. I was waiting for similar celebrations to last week, actually. I decided not to blow your ears off this oh, time, thank but you. we might have a milestone episode coming up in a few weeks as well, won't we? What's that? I think it's well, closing in on episode 50. Oh, good. I think. I think so. Don't trust my math. I'm glad someone's keeping count. I failed maths B in high school, so he could actually be on episode 68 or something. I failed maths A, don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. I barely passed. Teamwork. (laughs) Maths A is the strong two in this one, that's for sure. What we do know a lot about... One plus one is five, right? Pardon? One plus one is five, right? I'll go with the George Orwell maths. Two plus two equals five. Okay. I knew I was wrong. We may not be great with maths, but we are great with football. (laughs) And we're going to talk about the A-League, starting with the Raw's win Friday night over Melbourne City. 3-1 3-1 goals from Avram Papadopoulos, Eric Bordiak, and Avram Papadopoulos again. That's striker, is it? Yeah. yeah. And Stefan Mork managed to get one for City as well, but that doesn't matter too much. So, first reaction, we won a game. Oh, my God. I think it's the uh, culmination of, I think, you know, we've been saying weeks it's been coming, it's yeah. coming. Four games unbeaten. Let's uh, like that. Yeah, half, we'll go with that. Half basketball yep. expression again. But look, I actually think they turned up and you could tell they wanted to play. They came out for a minute one, chasing the game, you know, wanting, you know, get on the front foot and this time pay dividends. We are finally seeing things start to click. I thought that attacking trio of yeah. Macaroni, Bortiak and Ben Calfuller really yeah. showed what they were capable of. And overall, yeah, I was really happy with it. They had an urgency. Yeah. You know, it's been building and... Finally, after what was a fairly average start to the season, the players are really starting to look like they might actually be growing into their the roles. The key words you both mentioned were intensity and urgency, and it was it really was encapsulated in the first goal. I mean, when City had the ball and Papadopoulos steps forward in the midfield, wins it, plays it out left, and then moves forward. The intensity to win the ball and keep going forward, that's what's been lacking mm. in patches in the games, and that really encapsulates the Raw's start. It was a really good move, and it was a great start. And... I don't know what it is about Melbourne City, but just... You remember they had that 1-0 win over them round five last year? I think it was when Jamie McLaren broke his duck for the season. And it was that first sort of game where they really started to click and, you know, as a side last year as well. So you're saying City at home earlier? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Round one, City at home. Well, I think think it's a case of where we... And we sort of all suspected it, where we thought the Raw were, I guess, a few weeks behind and they they had a wretched pre-season and it's taking a while for things to click. And I think we're now at that point of season where it's almost like it has to click or it ain't going to happen. So I think it's about time they sort of woke from their slumber and actually start putting things together. Yeah, they were starting to run out of games. Yeah. Well, they managed to take advantage of a great opportunity because obviously Melbourne City were missing quite a few players. Tim Cahill was out, which would have made him very, very happy, I'm sure, given yep. his comments after the Socceroos game. Ross McCormick was out, as was Marcello Karuska. So it was a little bit of an undermanned City attacking lineup, but it's still. It's a really dour selection as well. When you look at the Jakobsen in midfield next to Malik, that's two defensive guys. I don't understand why Luke Bratton doesn't get a game in there, just for something completely different, more mm. attacking minded, but anyway. He was good when he came on too. Actually, I think, think Jacopo Larocco, I think, would like to bury himself into Suncorp saying, <laughs> yeah. it, unfortunately, he hadn't had some great memories in the past, and he and his mistakes were the first two goals. But he's been pretty good for the first little bit of the season. Like, I, I don't know, it feels like the City games that I've watched, which I feel have been about four of their first six, they looked really good, especially in defence, you know, yeah. with Jakobsen moving around and then you had the combination yeah. of Bart Schenkenveld, Simpson yeah. and... It's, it's uh, very solid, but there's not much going forward. That's the problem at the moment. I mean, there's yeah. really only got a couple it's, of outlets. They it's almost like more. seven defenders and three yeah. attackers. Um, and they're just missing that link. That yeah. uh, And look, it's worked They've from got the, the players it, who it, can be that link. in the past, but, you know, it just deserted them on yeah. uh, Friday night. But we'll stick... Yeah. We'll leave the uh, City analysis to the Talking City boys, who are also yep. part of the Daily Football Show fan network. I probably should mention that at some point. Uh, we've got, yeah, for the Raw, we saw Ben Calfala and Holman Inforce, Capetius and D'Agostino. No late withdrawals this week, thankfully, but overall, like Jacob Pepper 
once again yeah. in central defence, I thought was very, very solid. I was actually quite worried about him when he got the yellow card in the first three minutes of the game. But I he was did, he did, he, No, he did really well after that to be able to go through the game. I mean, plenty of defenders have struggled with that and he did well. So. Yeah. It, you had the proper defender yeah. reaction for him where it was, oh God, yellow card in three minutes. He's going <laughs> to kick someone in the 60 second. Yeah. And get to I had the same reaction to Yerman with the Socceroos last week too. So. But, much like Yerman, yeah. he held his nerve and performed quite well. Look, I think so. And, you know, him and, uh, once again, Conor Tool had a had decent game at left back. And, um, and yeah, I think you know, I think it all starts with defence and we've been fairly solid the last couple of weeks. Well, this is actually what John Aloisi had to say in the post-game about Conor O'Toole. And, you know, and Conor O'Toole, we knew that Conor had it in him. We, you know, it's, it's a year and a half that we've worked with Conor. You know, that uh, a lot of people ask, why didn't you throw him in, you know, at times last season? Because he wasn't ready. Now we know that he's ready and there's competition now for places with Corey Brown and Connor and um, he's got a great you know, left foot and that's the reason why we brought him in because he's comfortable on the ball, he can uh, put a good ball in, his crossing's uh, brilliant and, uh, and he's learning how to defend as well. So very happy John Aloisi and I suppose it's a little bit of justification for his methods going forward saying... You know, we could have played him last year. And I thought even in preseason, O'Toole was still looking a little bit uncomfortable in that left-back slot. But he's taken to the A-League like a fish out of... No, fish out of... That's the wrong phrase. Duck to water. Duck to water, that's it. You'll get your cliches right one day. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I'm going to be a commentator, maybe. One week at a time. (laughs) No, but Conor O'Toole has actually done really well since he's come into the side. And I think John Lewis is right. Because I remember when I first saw Conor O'Toole in the NPL, he did look like he was going to take some time and... He has taken some time, but now that he's here and playing, I mean, he looks really good at left-back. I mean, you hate to say it, but he, if this continues on, there might actually be a real competition for that spot in a few weeks because Corey Brown's out for another six weeks or so. If he puts in another few good performances, maybe he can keep the shirt. Well, I think what you we're can't see- rule it out. What we're seeing now is that squad depth that we did talk about at the start of the season. Yes, they haven't got a whole lot of, you know, 23 to 27 year old players in their peak, but they do have young, hungry players and veterans who are trying to hold yeah. them away. And what we are seeing are those young guys really starting to step up. Like, Joe Coletti was all over the park, I thought. He, he's, been, he's been good since he's been, re- been reinstated. Yeah. He had that had a slow start to the season. They had a couple of games out, but yeah. last he, he's been really impressive the last couple of weeks. That was his best game of the season so far, Coletti. It was really impressive. That's right. And you are sort of seeing now that urgency where the players go, all right, well, if I don't do my job, I have to yeah. make it. And we've seen it with Jamie Young, who had a couple of absolutely phenomenal saves. Did get beaten at his near post, which... Yeah. One one blemish, but, you know, what? <laughs> he, made, he made up for three or four saves. Yeah. So you can, almost, you can almost forgive that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the saves that he made, like, again, we keep going back to shot-stopping is his strength, and you saw why with some of those leaping saves. I think there was one from... Uh, Budzinski, I? I know. Budzinski, one, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, we were... it is his strength, but his distribution is getting better as well. Absolutely. He's really worked hard on that. You can see that. Yeah, so whatever the goalkeeping coaches at the Roar <laughs> are doing, it's clearly paying yeah. dividends. And as we've said, you know, you've seen with O'Toole, you've got Young, where, you know, if it was a the competition. you wouldn't right change it, would you? I, I, I would be, I'd, given Jamie Young's form last couple of weeks, I'd be shocked if yeah. Michael Theo just walked straight back. Yeah. I think you'd almost justifiably say that there'd be a big outcry about mm. that. There's a big outcry anyway. Oh, well, there is more, more so. Because I think a lot of people that you know me for one, who's who yeah. said you know, you know, being a big Michael Theo fan, but even I'd be pretty disappointed if Jamie Young, in the form he's in at the moment, was sort of side for yeah. Theo returning. Form does matter, and Jamie Young's in terrific form. All right, so let's talk about the man of the match, far and away, Avram Papadopoulos. Yeah. He got a goal in the fifth minute, which live I was actually waiting for the VAR to overturn it because. <laughs> I'm now just mentally scarred by the VAR. But it was actually a really good play. He managed to beat his man and, and the keeper to the ball, yeah. Eugene Golekovic. He had and a shocking game too, Golekovic. Yeah, the Den Chance finally yeah. got to him. They did finally. But yeah, I thought it was like really well done. Beat the keeper to the ball and headed it in really well. Bortiak's goal. Now, we'll just touch on that. Since we're going That's another sloppy error from Melbourne, so you did tee that up. It but. was, but... Hold up play from Macaroni. Yeah. That was genius. Because I feel like you would have seen 9 out of 10 strikers try and line up and just blast it in off their yeah. admittedly stronger foot. Because he's a lefty, mm. isn't he? I think so. Yeah. So you would have seen him try and get around the man and blast it. Yeah. And let's face it, we've seen some strikers wind up with their shots hitting the corner flag for that. But 
turned around and Bortek was just there to quiet it in nicely and it sent you into half time feeling really good. Yeah. It was good. The first half was really good. It's probably the best half the Raw have played throughout the season so far and they had been built into it as Adam was saying. Mm. And they did build up well with that third yep. goal as well which was another really Galecki Chero. They needed that too because as good as the first half was the start to the second half was quite slow. I think we were all kind of half expecting Melbourne City to get the equaliser after they scored one and they really needed that third goal. And When they got that one it was they were home but yeah, it but, was, I, but I think with both both the Papadopoulos goals, especially yeah. that was due to pressure. Mm. Like I said, him yeah. being there, getting in the face, you know, and that that comes with the extra intensity. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the third, I think the the Bortier goal was a bit of a gift, but again, great play from Macaroni. But um, you've still, yeah. but they still had to still convert those absolutely. chances. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's we're, not, we're blown those chances in the first seven weeks of the yeah. season, and so. it's not like you're really seeing a lot of those. It's not as though those chances were essentially served up three yards out yeah. from goal with mm. no one in front of them. No. There did have to be a little bit of play yeah. to make it work. And, so, and with Papadopoulos, he's probably the player of the season so far for the Raw. Well, well, not d- just with the goals, but just with his defensive clearances as well at the back. He's been really, really impressive for someone who had limited to no preseason. And I do feel like the performances of Jacob Pepper and Connor O'Toole are actually being yeah. influenced by, I suppose, the controlling yeah. nature of Avram Papadopoulos. One thing I do want to bring up just quickly that I am enjoying about this Raw side right now, there's a little bit of a prick to them. Like, you notice even Bortiak, I think he's yeah. been booked in more games than he hasn't. I've got a different view to this, but go ahead. Well, it. I feel like any good team needs to have a couple of those sorts of players in there who just... If someone needs to pick up a yellow card, you're going to have to get it. Now, you don't want 11 of those guys, but you also don't want, you don't want 11 Saints. Do you want to say anything yeah, I was going to say, look, I said from when he was signed that you know I enjoy the likes of Aaron Papadopoulos, that tough European centre back. I I think it's something that you know you need, you always need one, but you also need that creative yeah. uh, centre back. I suppose you can call it that on the outside. But yeah, look, I, that that certain toughness, I think that that breeds sort of you know. Yeah, you know, across the whole fleet. But I know you've got different. I don't, view I, on it. It's not that I don't like Papadopoulos. It's more I don't like needless fouls for yellow cards. I don't, with a couple of them, just, I don't, I don't understand why. I prefer discipline sides in that respect as opposed to I, continuous fouling. But it's like the um old, the old raw way of playing under Mulvey and Postecoglou because we never got yellow cards or rarely. I prefer that style. But anyway, I suppose more what I was trying to say there is you've got the guys that aren't afraid to put in a hard challenge and potentially trying to... I don't like yeah. players missing games because of accumulation of yellow cards. That really gets on my nerves. But I don't want players that are going to back out on a challenge either. That's true. If you yeah. do that, you want yeah. Diego Castro. And, and just on Borchak, it's been really, it's been an interesting way to watch him because for seven years we saw a very, very different style of left winger. Someone who like, doesn't like to link up and create chances. So now we've got Borchak likes to get wide and put crosses in. Yeah. It's been very, it's interesting to see to do different styles out there. But they do have a striker that is set up for that. Yeah. And I think also as well that that number twenty two jersey seems to be a magnet to get you know hacked down because Borchak <laughs> has really yeah. copped it you know in the, much the same manner as Broch did so yeah it's, it. Uh, it seems to be number twenty two the opposition goes whack yeah okay mental note never take jersey number twenty two in my clock <laughs> yeah. sides all right so we're going to move on to the other round six fixtures we've got Adelaide two one over Central Coast fantastic goal from Admiral. Yeah. I really like Daniel Adlong as a player, actually. Not just for the long-range goals, just the role he plays in the midfield for Adelaide. I think he's a really, really good player. He's added a lot to that side. All right, so we're going to move on to Western Sydney, Wellington, Phoenix, and play all the commentary highlights from this game on Saturday afternoon. There's all the commentary highlights, because the game didn't actually take place. That's a disgrace, that. Yeah, I don't know what's happened there. It's, um... I think someone might have gotten their dates mixed up. Just a, Yeah, just a little bit. All right, so Sydney FC Newcastle Jets in a monsoon Saturday night, which was a nice little lead up to the North London Derby, by the way. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I don't know what you're talking about there. But <laughs> uh, it was just a good game, this actually, despite the weather. Was, I think Newcastle seeing, played quite well. They were missing O'Donovan, though. But I think what we are seeing, though, is even with a very yeah. depleted side, Newcastle are going to be competitive every week. I think I think it's the one thing one thing learned that you know, despite defeats, I think. Uh, Newcastle can still hold their head up high yeah. and say, you know what, they may be a contender. We don't know how long... We know that O'Donovan's going to be out for three to four yeah. weeks. So that let's see what happens over that period of time. But at the moment, based on what we saw, I still think they're going to be there and about. So they've taken a lot from that game. And you know what, they've got to be encouraged by the progress that Joey Champness yeah. has made. They, they're absolutely Champness and other players on that side as well, not just him. 
And the final game of the round was Perth Glory against Melbourne Victory. Melbourne got their first win of the season, mm-hmm. but Perth at the back, what's going on there? Oh, boy, that's uh, diabolical. But, um, yeah, look, Melbourne Victory, they yeah. needed that win. And, they, like I said, now the, every team's won yeah. a game this season now. With Perth, there's a very similar injury struggles to the Raw, but the Raw seemed to have the depth to be able to cover that. Perth, just, I don't see it. And that was what you said yeah. in the preseason preview as well. Yeah, they just don't have the depth to cover things. An in interesting selection, um, Jacob Italiano, 16-year-old, yeah. um, starting up front for Perth as well. So that's... God, I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> He's a millennial, so... Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right, so we're going to finish up segment one there. We're going to talk about the FFA Cup in segment okay. three, I think. Okay. All right, so that's going to be the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. We're in Season 2, Episode 14. It's James Scott and Adam with you for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Let's get into the W League and National Youth League fixtures over the weekend. So before the A-League side, the Raw played out a 1-0 win over Adelaide in the W League in what was Tamika Butt's 100th game. It was a good good Friday night at Suncorp, so with two wins out two. And look, this game was... Uh... It was a slow burn, I think. It started off quite slowly, and the Raw were building into it. Had a lot of chances, but just couldn't take them. And Just as you thought it was going to be a nil-nil, Hayley Razzo stepped up. It was a very nice finish. I will admit, I only got there for the final, I think, 20 or so minutes of the game. Thank you, buses. But <laughs> <laughs> managed to make it, and wound up seeing what I was told was a lot of the uh, drama in the game, where yeah. I think the first thing I saw was Butt getting cleared out by the keeper. Yes, and did she get a yellow card for that? I think so. At least a foul. I don't know how. Hey, they all count. (laughs) But yeah, it was a good game. Hayley Rasso with the winner in the 87th minute. You could tell there was a little bit of relief from the Raw, just in general, like thinking it's about time. Yeah, watching it live and whatnot, um, it's hard to believe that 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 Adelaide team actually knocked over um, Perth Glory mm. last week three one. Sam like Kerr less Perth Glory. Yeah, so. that might be that might be the answer. But but I think also as well. I think one thing I reflect is that as you know, at the end of the day, Hayley Rasso scored the winner. But the defence of the Raw women at the moment is what is yeah. is really so. That's two clean sheets in a row, and I think that that defence at the moment is the difference. Looks really solid actually with Celeste Bray as a shielding midfielder as well. But I think it's really interesting because. The, the Raw women, they started off really well this year. I think they're in go- a good position to do some damage this year in the W League because it's three wins out of four. I can see why they can't. Yeah, three wins out of four, they're right in contention again. And Emily Gilnick is coming back as well, who yeah. I believe won her league championship in Norway. I saw something retweeted on the tweet machine and whatnot. Okay. So Must be right then. It's on the internet, it has to be true. But yeah, so they've got another player coming back and you can't rule them out for anything here, really. I think we, we said with the men's before about the competition for places, but in the women's side, competition for places are red hot. You've got, yeah. like, um, we've, got, we've got Matilda's galore across, across the park, you know, you know, potential you know, internationals you know, elsewhere. You know, it, is, it is a really, really stacked team at the yeah. moment. And look, guys, I think if there's any, if it's going to be a team we say that this team is a contender, this is it. This is the yeah. season. Hmm. Absolutely. And just one final point on the W League game. I thought it was really cool seeing like the team come out at halftime for the yeah. uh, presentation for Tamika Butt's 100th yeah. game. The other funny thing is you could tell um, they were desperate to make a sub at the, in stoppage time. To They had um, Aisha Nori was ready to come on in stoppage time for, to give Tamika Butt the standing ovation. The ball never went out. <laughs> it never went out, unfortunately. So uh, We've had that happen to the yeah. best of us. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. That's right. Okay, so some of the other results from the weekend. Sydney FC 3-2 over Melbourne City on Saturday, and then Sunday, Canberra 2-1 over Newcastle, and Perth Glory 3-1 over Melbourne Victory. Coming up is round five. Yep. And it is Melbourne Victory against Western Sydney on Friday. Saturday has two matches, Canberra versus Perth and Adelaide versus Newcastle. Brisbane are one of three teams with a bye, though, and I have a feeling that might have something to do with a certain fixture that's going on tonight down at uh, Amy Park. It's a very well-timed bye, if that is the case. I have a feeling that may have yeah. been the first thing that they put in the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Just just pointing it out there. All right, so the National Youth League season got underway this weekend. I believe it did, anyway. We were still celebrating after the Raw win <laughs> on Friday night and found out that things got 
Uh, yeah, it was At going least Adam on. was aware that this was starting anyway. Yeah, it was good. I was doing the, I was doing the fan cams. Uh, just saw Adam starting to message us about it. I was like, oh, okay, good to know. <laughs> but no, don't worry, I got, I got tipped off myself. I oh, did I, you? I only found out. I only remember Saturday morning. So Don't admit that. You're looking good right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... It wasn't the great start of the season for the Brisbane Roar. They were defeated 3-0 by Melbourne City with two goals from Braden Crowley and Rami Najarine. I really got to read this before we get yep. going. Uh, they were outplayed in the first half by the sounds of it and the second half was abandoned due to an electrical storm. So Second time Melbourne City yeah. got the better of these electrical storms in the youth league. It's not right. So Does, what you're saying now doesn't is... Doesn't James Robinson understand you've got to get it abandoned before halftime? So what you're saying now is Melbourne City have that much money that they're controlling the weather? Yes. yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a super intricate conspiracy designed purely for them to win the youth league. Oh, soccer Twitter are going to love that. Yep. <laughs> I'm oh, just working on my honestly, theory at the moment. Honestly, out of the conspiracy theories that have uh, come up on that, that's firmly in the middle. Okay, <laughs> cool. But, yeah... It does look like Melbourne City got a very similar team to last year as well, so it's no surprise they started off strongly. It's, Why does Braden Crowley team? sound familiar? Because he was on the bench Friday. That could be actually, well, actually, yeah. Braden Crowley, Crowley actually got on on Friday night. And, I did too. That's and Rami Nazarene was on un, 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 sub on go. Friday. So, but they they got some decent players. Like Daniel Azani also played in that yeah. game. Um, a couple of Dennis Genro yeah. who was captain for that team. So you got players. A lot of names I noticed when I saw the team. Yeah, so. a lot of players that are, have A League experience that play, whereas the Raw side was a very very young. It's, it's basically a side that came out of MPL. Braden Crowley's also scored a bunch of goals against the young Roar as well. Mm. That's probably why. Yeah. Yeah. Former, former North, uh, North Queensland. Yeah. But obviously, much like the W League last week, there's only so much we can bring you about this game yeah. because, unfortunately, there was no coverage. Yeah. That's uh, that's the unfortunate thing, I think. Yeah, nice. We, we're only yeah. hearing probably minutes later thanks to uh, Melbourne City Twitter. So, yeah. Got but, one other fact which we'll get to in the next segment. Okay, fair enough. All right, so the other round one results, 3-1 Adelaide over Perth, Melbourne Victory on a bye, Western Sydney Wanderers 8-0 over Canberra, and Newcastle 1-1 with Central Coast Mariners, Sydney were on the bye in Conference B. We kind of missed the season preview because, well, there was a lot of <laughs> yeah. other stuff going <laughs> also on. Also completely we, forgot the season was starting, really, which is... And it's a short season, too. So blame the Socceroos for that. Yes, okay. we definitely can blame them for that. What are we expecting from the Raw this year? It's a very good question because it's a, another young side, a lot of first-year players. There's a lot of quality in there, though. I, I think Melbourne City are probably the favourites in Conference A. I think that's fair to say, and the result on Saturday kind of underlines it. For the Raw, there's a lot of there's a few returning players who will have their eye on the second half of the A-League season and potential Champions League. And there's also the scholarship boys, Bryce Bafford, um, Kai Truen and Jay Barnett coming into the side. They're the three that I'll be interested to see how, what sort of players they are because they've come from the FFA Centre of Excellence and I want to see... I'm interested... It'll be interesting to see how they go. Well, I'm going to go for the guy you recommended last year with Oliver Duncan. Yeah. Who you say is quite a good playmaking yeah. uh, left yeah. winger. And we will actually have a chance to see him in person Sunday morning. Hopefully he plays. Uh, yeah, so it's 10.30am Brisbane time at Lanham Park Grange Thistle. Uh, they're playing Melbourne Victory Youth side, so... If you can, get out and support them. Cause Please start better than last year. Please start better yeah. than last year. Traditionally, this is a high-scoring game this <laughs> yeah. one. So. Watch me... out for Piers Waring in the third minute again. <laughs> Let yeah. me just uh, Google this right now. Well, uh, you do that. No I'll storm... talk about a couple of other players. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, no storms are forecast for <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Good. It's a bit early anyway, 10.30. <laughs> so look, the key returning players, got like Aaron Reed and Ramad Akbari, who's played in the A League. You mentioned Arthur Duncan, Emilio yeah. Martinez, and Nathan Newton. They're probably the established guys from the NPL side last year who you're looking at to lead this team. And the ones that probably you're thinking two, yeah. three years down the track, yeah. you would hope they're ste- stepping into the A yeah. League squad. All right, uh, some of the other round two fixtures, we may as well go through them. Adelaide versus Melbourne City in Conference A. Conference B is Central Coast Mariners against West Sydney Wanderers and Sydney against Newcastle. So Perth and Canberra have the bye. I was going to say hopefully Adelaide do us a favour, but in the youth league, you never know what's going to happen. Oh, so you never just... really know what's going to happen in the youth league. I mean, well, it changes from week to week. We'll finish up on that point. Is Again, going back to last season, what we saw really was the fact that when you've got all these young players, consistency yeah. is something that still is being yeah. developed. 
And you feel like with these guys that, you know, they could win 5-0 one week and drop off 5-0 and it's lose happened, the next. It's, yeah. a lot of, I'm, it's also a lot of balance of teams also depend on what the senior team will do if they want yeah. to. And we'll touch on this in the next segment about um, the, the overage players coming down playing for minutes and whatnot. That, that can work for and yeah. against. So That's right. All right. Yes, and we will talk about yeah. that in the next segment of the Richmond yeah. Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam with you for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. And we're going to go on to some of the news stories that have uh, come out in the last week. We're going to start off with last night's FFA Cup Final. I didn't know it was on, did you? I knew it was on, but not many people did. I, no. I think I only knew it was on because the, the constant whinging and whining about, oh, will they get a decent crowd last night? Actually, by the way, anyone actually get the crowd number? No. 13 and change. Oh, so Is that what they made up, was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah but... I was quite sceptical, although I will admit the two in, like behind-the-goals areas looked rather full. and That's what happens when you shut one whole side off, though. Yes, well, I was going to say... Only three sides were really yeah. sold off for TV, but in that, with that many seats available, I actually think that's maybe still a little bit optimistic, but I... Oh, look, yeah. uh, we, we were discussing it um, sort of yesterday, was that I just think, you know, the whole, when is the FFA going to learn that, you know what, the, the general public, forget forget people like us and who we appeal to, the general public will just will not support a event on a weeknight. I just think, especially at... At Sydney Football Stadium, you know, it is a it is a real pain yeah. to get to. Yeah, so, if they got it right in the second year when they had it as a standalone Saturday game well, in they between got Melbourne right. Victory and Perth, but they got it totally wrong on the ticket prices, and mm. that's why it, there's no there's a limited crowd, and they went away from it. Well, I think if they put it on a Saturday night standalone with reasonable ticket prices, they could probably sell out grounds or get much better crowds than what they have been. Yeah, for me, it, it needs it's a, a case of spotlight. either easy access which would be on a weekend. And, look, truthfully, you probably even would want to have it as, like, something that it's just anyone can piece, get to. It's got to be Yeah, you have... Again, I'm, yeah. I'm not doing the FFA's book, so it's really easy for me to suggest this, but $10 adult tickets, $5 kids tickets, everyone come in. Yeah. Like, it's something that, when you're in that position, you really need to have the optics looking good, and quite frankly, having you the... You can't have a final yeah. with, like, a one-third full stadium. It doesn't look right. Yeah, especially with the amount of pageantry they went to beforehand yeah. with, you know, the it walkout looks, tracks. It, like I said, it looks good yeah. and it looks like, you know, a imitation of the of the FA, FA Cup final in England. Yeah. But that's Three and four it, years, by the way, for Arsenal. I'll give it a rest. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take what I can get right now, please. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, like I said, it just didn't have the crowd to match. Like, everything else was right. The, the game itself was, was, was a decent game, but it's just the, the pity about the talk was before the game was how yeah. many people or lack thereof were going to be there and you don't want that dominating the lead up to a final. But with the crowd, like for me, the big thing is just I think a lot of people would have loved to have gone, but whether it was, yeah. you know, access or affordability, yeah. they just couldn't. The stuff that they did, did was right. And they said it was, they got yeah. almost, well, they didn't get everything right because the, the Cove got one thing wrong. This is a message for our friends, Sky Blue Views. They got the, they had the TFA, but they got it in the wrong order. They had the championship get, trophy number the one, set. the Premier's plate no, second. No, no, well, that's, that's, come on, guys, get it right. Fantastic TFO, but yes, the OCD Come on. But, yeah. I don't know. It's just although I, you know, this is coming yeah. from a Brisbane show where look, who are we I was about wondering right? what sort of crowd it would get at Suncorp well, Stadium on yeah, a Tuesday. We're, 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 we're like, four or five rounds away from that point. So. Given Champions League crowds last year, so. I was I would actually say on a day like yesterday, with what the FFA would have been charging for tickets, I can almost guarantee that would have been a five and a half thousand crowd in Brisbane if it was the Raw versus Sydney or Raw versus Adelaide. Yeah. It. It wouldn't have had the draw just yet, and it's just another another A League game, basically, isn't it? Really, it's a, a midweek A League game. Yeah, something it else. had it had that. If you took away the the inflatable banners and the red carpet and all that, yeah, you're right. It was it had that midweek A League game. You just have to pinch stuff like, hey, this is actually supposedly a cup final. So mm. it was a good game, though. Mm. Where was the actual it, game was where quite was good. Where was the eliminated Idol X Factor talent contestant singing the national anthem? <laughs> <I did> that. <laughs> oh. 
part. Oh, look, at the end of the day, I always question that these events, and we're the same for the Socceroos game, is that why do we need singers actually singing the national anthem? The best, to, to be honest, for a football game, the best anthem is the one where they have the music playing and let the crowd sing. Well, all right, just one last point, I suppose, mm. on the spectacle of the game. The, theory, the best media suggestion I've heard is Simon Hill, who obviously I'm a big fan of, is he said, have you've got an odd number of uh, rounds in the A-League. So what you do, you play every game as a lead-up to a Sunday afternoon FFA Cup final in Canberra that weekend. So you have... I don't know what the schedule would have been yeah. for this weekend coming up, but it would have been Sydney and Adelaide, their A-League games get postponed to a later date. And you have three yeah. or four games, Friday and a double or triple header Saturday in the build-up to... The only the only thing I'd say to that I'll take one yeah, international yeah. break off and play it play that week. Yeah, the only thing I'll say to that is that if it's going to be Canberra, make it say say that at the start of, in February yeah. when they release the draw. Well, the FFA Cup final will be in Canberra. No further correspondence will be entered into it. You know, and that and that's the end of it. That's that's what's going to happen. They can't flip flop and say, oh, yo, we might have it, and then we'll see how we go with the metrics on that. Commit to Canberra, see what happens. Alright, so... The game was good. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, we, we keep talking about the event, but we probably should get on to yeah, the game because... Yeah, to cover. Yeah, Ninkovic Ooh. opened the scoring for Sydney, but he was battling an injury and wound up yeah. leaving, and that, you could tell, was when Adelaide started to really sense they had a way back into the game, and they managed to find it through Milly Usnich. That was a great goal. Mm. And I thought Adelaide were going to go on with it, actually. I, I think a lot of people were hoping they were going to go on with it. <laughs> but, yeah, then uh, wound up going to extra time. I admittedly was a little bit disappointed it went to extra time for obvious reasons. <laughs> I'll tell you who wasn't disappointed, John Aloisi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who were Adelaide playing this weekend? Who cares? Yep. I think we've got the oh, Sunday West game. Sydney. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so t- uh, not Tony Popovich. That's just a force of habit. Yossip Gombeil. There we go. But the big talking point to come out of this game was in the 114th minute where Michael Moroni managed to get sent off for... We'll just say, I don't want to say he touched a ball kick because that's going to have some bad connotation, <laughs> but he bumped into one while trying to get he the ball back. The ball kick. Mm. Well, Sounds better. Yeah, if you want to go the ultimate let's crucify him, yeah, he crash tackled the ball kick. Yeah. If you want to go for the ultimate defense, he was trying to get the ball back from a ball kick <sighs> who was being, let's be honest, a little bit of an idiot. Yeah, here. There's, there's two sides to this. There's the the ball kid should... Well, there's so three, really. Yeah. There's, there's the, one side, yeah. another side, and the truth, which is somewhere yeah, yeah. in the middle. Well, that's true. But the, 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 the ball kid should do his job properly. And, yes. But we've seen, we've seen coaches do that in the past, hide the ball. So that's one thing. But Moroni, you just can't do that. No. You can't grab the ball kid and try to get it off him. You've got to... I know it's hard in that moment, but you've got to keep your cool. And, and honestly, like the way I kind of saw it was, ball kid shifted the ball from the left to his right. Moroni was coming in from the ball kid's left. Yeah. I... Think with the speed Morono was coming in, he almost looked like he was expecting the ball kid to take a couple of steps away, and the ball kid just didn't. Yeah. Now, realistically, n- no excuse for contact with the kid no- at all. But yeah, I the red card yeah. is, I suppose, technically justified yeah. by the letter of the law. But look, I'm yeah. I, look, I'm on I'm on the fences. But the best the best sort of analysis that I've actually seen of this, which I I sort of agree with the most, is actually from our colleague over at the Far Post. Perth, um, Neil Sherwin. And this is, this is why I said in a, a set of tweets here. He said, I quote, It's really no wonder that fans have conspiracy theories about team favouritism, even if it's not a thing. The TV broadcaster endorsing the lauding of a ball boy who acted like a, acted the dickhead is a great look. It goes on to say, In my opinion, Moroni's action warranted a red card and the and the standard ban, but the ball boy deserves no sympathy and probably shouldn't shouldn't be doing any more games. He also shouldn't yeah. be lifting the trophy and getting a medal. I agree with that yes. last bit. That, that's where yep. it got absolutely look, ridiculous I, 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 last night. Now, that's actually my problem with the whole thing is, look, the incident happened. We've done, like I said, the people you know, on Matt side for acting you know, like a big tough guy and all that. But what really disappointed me was the way Fox Sports gave this more air. What mm. What's disappointing is that this kid is now seem as some sort of hero in, in one part of the country and you've got another part of the country that want to kill a kid. All because of this incident. There are idiots yeah. on Twitter that were actually Yeah, that. I, I, Yeah, that's, that's figure of And speaking. considering some of the abuse that he got from 
like that he was copying from people. Yeah. Which, you know what, I'd love to see them actually step away from their keyboard and try and challenge that 14-year-old kid or whatever to a fight in real life because, you know what, <laughs> that's just not going to look good on you, is it? <laughs> exactly. But yeah. I, the only thing I disagree, though, is, oh, that's why there are conspiracy theories. No, there are conspiracy theories because, let's face it, there are plenty of idiots out there. Mm. Like, mm. Uh, it doesn't matter what the sport is, you're always going to have conspiracy theories because there are just morons out there that cannot accept that, hey, your team got outscored. Well, that's at the end of the day, look, it was the 115th minute when this yeah. happened. Bavaria scored what we thought was the game was the game-winning goal. They weren't really doing much. You know, Moroni getting sent off didn't change the game. It didn't yeah. cost them the game despite a, a few, you know, opinions otherwise. So I, I think it's an unsavory incident and we don't want to be overshadowing what's the cup final. But it is what it is. I know you want to move on, but it was was ridiculous that the the air was given with the medal and holding out the trophy. I mean that's ridiculous. Yeah, that is absolutely ridiculous. Well, the one thing and I'll... that does, I think that does fuel the conspiracies when you see stuff like that. Yeah, but someone looking the wrong way at someone fuels a conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. So my my theory on that is both players were in the wrong, but you know the ball boy probably did what was, in traffic terms, a, you know, running a stop sign or something on an empty street. Hopefully that Borka doesn't try the same trick to Avram Papadopoulos this weekend. Oh, well, you know what? <laughs> De- I do agree with Neil about that, yeah. though. That ball kid shouldn't be No, he should not game. be there again. You want to actually... Uh, it's kind of like that ball... Well, Char- Charlie ball? Morgan and the, that guy Eden Hazard and all that trouble a few years ago. That that was blatant. That was... And that, you know, the kid was actually boasting on Twitter before the game. About so I don't think it's these levels, but still I think it's probably in the best interest of this kid that you know he stays away for a while. Yeah, either way. All right, let's get on to enough talking about Sydney. Yeah, yeah let's get on to something much much well, more depressing. Ange Postecoglou is out as the national team coach. You now sat at a press conference this morning, and you know what? Even though we kind of saw it yeah. coming and whatnot, it was still a bit of a punch in the gut, wasn't it? Look, yeah, look, we were here last week talking about, you know, we were sort of taking the bets on who would, whether he would go or not. Yeah, and I, I, and I was noticed the guy the, who said he was out. Yeah, but, yeah, but, that up. Yeah, but James is right. Like I said, even though I, I said, yeah, he's going, it doesn't make it any easier or any happier. No. It's actually, it's it's actually quite sort of, yeah, no, it's that, you know, that he's, he's quit. They actually followed through on it. You're yeah. right. It was a real punch in the gut swing when he actually quit. But looking back on, we talk about what Andrew's done with the national team, where he's taken it. And where it was and where it is now, it's absolutely unbelievable. He leaves with a legacy. Is, mm. If not the greatest soccer is manager ever, he's right right there. And he had no problem mentioning what yeah. he's done for the national team in his press yeah. conference yeah. this morning. Oh, yeah. Like Sales pitch for another job, perhaps, you think? Yeah. Well, you know, the only thing that gets me is the World Cup would have been a fantastic shop window for him because we saw in Brazil 2014, even though they lost all three games, how many people were out there going, oh, my God, Australia can actually play football? And look, I think at the end of the day, it sort of it sort of begs the question whether has he got something lined up? You know, there, there's two schools thought this. Has he got something lined up or has the acrimony with the FFA brass yeah. gone so bad that he's figuratively told him to, you know, Shut stick up. the job, yeah. basically? I think we're going to find out soon. But as for replacements, I think... Well, we'll get to that in a, in a second. Okay. I just want to keep going on this yep. for a little while. Okay. Um, yeah, I... I think there's a lot that's still to come out. I'm not sure yeah. when it will. Maybe he'll write another book. Maybe David Gallup will. But for me, I suppose if he was going to go before the World Cup, this is the best time yeah. for him to go because, what, the next game is until March? Yep. Yeah. There's one FIFA window between now and the World Cup. What happened to the February one? There's anyway. Is yeah. one, it's March. Either way, I suppose if there was there wasn't really a good time for him yeah. to go before the World Cup, but this was the least disruptive yeah. time, let's say. It's still I still feel like he's the best coach that Australia's produced in oh, my lifetime. Not even close. And you know we do wish him all yeah. success yeah. in the future, but there's just a lot that we don't yeah. know about right now. And all right, so we'll get on to replacements. I was just going to say, just when you said, just to, to clarify, James said in his lifetime, so don't go abusing and saying, oh, what about Frank Arrock? What about Eddie Thompson? Because James yeah. is not that old. Oh, 28. Yeah, I so... I 28, aren't I? <laughs> so, 28. like I said, the, the, the question about, you know, yeah. lauding Angels, the greatest, you know, and, yeah. like I said, in this era. And I yeah. will say, I only really got into the... Yeah. Well, I only really got into football in about 2004 as well. Yeah, James is 28. 
looks eight, knacks eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> that was my wife back in the background. <laughs> well, looks eighteen and acts like an eight-year-old. Is that better? <laughs> oh, this, fir- this is the first time you're actually contributing on the show, and I'm not editing this out, by the way. <laughs> the executive producer. <laughs> she did a good job before yeah. with the camera on Friday night <laughs> for fan cams, but um, yeah, yeah I, replacements. Yeah, I, all right. We'll get on to replacements. Yeah. So, first of all, is the person you're going to hire a short-term or a long-term option? Uh, I've got. We'll, we'll for, go the, for the Asian Cup as well, because six months after, you have to consider it, this is for both. And Yes. Uh, the name I've got is someone who contributes for both of these. I've got, it's Bert van Marwijk. He's been to the World Cup, coached at the semi-finals, and then you look at the Asian Cup, he's succeeded in Asia with Saudi Arabia. That's It ticks all the boxes you'd want. So you would hire someone... For I suppose, both tournaments. For, so for the next, uh, essentially, through, 15 months. Through February 2019, and at, then you reassess for the World you, Cup. Or, Adam, would you go for someone a little bit more long-term? Uh, you know what? There is what I think and what I think will happen. I, I think I think FFA, if they're smart, they're going to go for a mercenary. They're going to go for some, a big name yeah. that is going to get the best out of this team for maybe yeah. five, six, seven matches. And then, then it will be Australian coach yeah. um, beyond that. Popovich, Musket, Arnold. That, It'll that, be Arnold. That, that three. But I think for the World Cup, I think... I think there will be. I think they're going to hire a mercenary. Yeah. So I'll maybe not a good hitting, but that that ilk. I honestly, yeah, for me it feels like they're going to go for uh, as much as I yeah. would, it's going to be a big commitment for them to go for someone who I, is going to be in yeah. the job for the next four and a half years essentially. So it's yeah. only to, to December yeah. two thousand twenty-two. That's when the next World Cup is. Okay, so five years. Yeah, then. Mm. that's a big commitment yeah. for anybody. And quite frankly, if you're looking for a, like the next yeah. question I was going to ask, local or international, there are no local coaches so that I could one. see being in the job for five years. And yeah. quite frankly, how much is Tony Popovich well, kicking well, himself right now yeah. for leaving two months ago? The thing is, if it's a local coach, say it's Graham Ald, I reckon it would be an interim for the March and he'd take over after the A-League. Since he wouldn't take over until the World Cup is right on the doorstep, which is impractical for but that to me the actual World that, Cup. That to me is not good enough. Yeah, it's not going to work, but that's the way you know it would what? be, though. It's, he's exactly, not quit, yeah. He's not going to quit Sydney at this stage, so... Although, uh, the other name that we have heard mentioned, and this is something I thoroughly disagree with Simon Hill on, Kevin Musket. Doc, get lost. Yeah, but the funny thing is, actually, this popped up in my Facebook memories last week about um, Melbourne Victory... Uh, being upset that the FFA has hired Ange Postacoglu away while he was still under contract and offering no compensation. Boy, that's frustrating when that happens, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we should get on to a couple of other quick stories while we can. Daniel Bowles is back, 45 yep. minutes in the Youth League clash. Aloisi said on Monday, though, he's still a fair way from yep. uh, first-team selection. It's good to see him back, though. Yeah. Back playing. It's yep. After his knee injury, it's great to see him back. Well, we Scott and I saw him at yep. the kit launch on... Oh, August. It? August, September, yeah. September, somewhere there. And he said you know, he was targeting November for his return to yeah. game action. And w- again, while the Roar are, I suppose, desperate for another central defender, it's too soon to throw. It's too soon to throw him yep. in. Yep. And yeah, fixture change for the Raw Western Sydney. We can talk about that more next week. Yep. But it's been moved from Spotless to ANZ Stadium due to issues with the playing surface. Again, how bad is that surface? <laughs> considering some yeah. of the ones they've passed. And then, excuse me. We've got uh, Matildas. Five Raw players have been named in the national team for friendlies against China. The, this one kicks off in about 20 or so minutes, yep. so we better keep moving. <laughs> Scott? Yeah, but it's just five Raw players you mentioned. Mackenzie Arnold, Mika Buck, Katrina Gore, Claire Polkinghorne, and Hayley Rasso. And I believe and they're all starting, starting in the first game. so Which may have something to do with the fact that they played on Friday, yeah. so they would be more fresh than a lot of the W League participants. It's good preparation for the Asian Cup next year for the, for the Matildas. And uh, football remains the number one participation sport in the country with... 1.15 million active participants, according to an Ozplay survey, as expected. Yeah. It is a world game after all. It'd be good if they actually were spectators and had clubs to play at professionally. But anyway, yeah. yes, that's right. I think I think the those in Melbourne, their, their little bubble. I think they'd be quick to shoot that figure down. But well, facts are fact. The Victorian Football League is fourth on the list. So wow. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna finish off with some congratulations to NPL award winners. We've got MVP Harrison Sawyer from the champion Western Pride side. Coach, Sean Lane from Brisbane Strikers. Golden Boot is Sam Smith from Gold Coast City. The Safe Hands goalkeeper is for Zach Speedy from Brisbane Strikers. And the Young Player of the Year is Nathan Yoon from the Young Raw. So congratulations yep. to all of those players. 
I think that's going to do it for this segment. We long covered segment, quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. Mm. My attention span's starting to go, so I need to break for a second. All right. This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam frantically trying to get this finished before the Matildas kick off for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Let's talk about our A-League preview. Scott, what are our usual plugs? Okay, so you can get in contact with us. Facebook is Brisbane Football Review. Twitter is at Raw Review. You can listen to the podcast on Wooshka and iTunes. And email is brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Yes, and it, also fan camps, which thanks for everyone who came down on Friday night. That was great. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. I think see some happy fan cams again. That's right. I think our next fan camps will be the December 17th yes. home game against Melbourne Victory because we've got a long drive back from Rabina yeah. <laughs> against the Phoenix. But, yeah, it was good. And um, if you do have any questions that you want to send through for the show, yeah. feel free to email us, message us on Facebook or Twitter or yeah. something. No inappropriate pictures, please. Uh, <laughs> that's why we don't have Snapchat. No. <laughs> but uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Well, something about getting in contact with... Oh, that's right. Leave a rating on iTunes or something as well because I need validation for what I'm doing. I actually have a very fragile ego. <laughs> you do? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Saturday night. Sydney FC versus Brisbane Raw. 6.50-ish. At something at like that. Brisbane time at Allianz Stadium. Actually not the worst record at Allianz Stadium for the Raw. It's 19 it games... to be. Four wins, eight draws, seven losses. If you just take from the Ainge Postcogger era forward, it looks good because that was when the Raw got their first win in mm. 2010. So since then, it's been quite... It's not quite the house of horrors like Amy yeah. Park. Overall against Sydney, it's 15 wins, 13 draws, 11 losses for 39 games overall. Yeah, I'm actually feeling somewhat optimistic about this game and it yeah. is in large part due to the fact that Sydney ran themselves into the ground yeah. Saturday night and... As much as Arnold has that squad set up well, I feel like they're due for a bit of a crash. Three games in seven days. Ninkovic, you know, Mijerski, a few of the players are a yeah. bit sore and sorry. And I actually think that, you know, if we're ever going to, you know, get close to the champs, this might be the occasion. They're all at home, though. Well, they haven't had to do any travelling, so that's the positive point for them. But you're right, Adrian and Zulo went down with cramps at the end. Mm. Brosk and yeah. Ninkovic went off with supposed injuries, so... Be interesting to see who exactly lines up for Sydney FC. But yeah, so you might wind up seeing a few little changes here yeah. and there for the side. Yep. But what about from a raw perspective? Oh, why would you change? Who's Go. who's back that's available? That from last week that would you bring in? I mean, I, I noticed. Um, I think it was yesterday. John obviously said Jade North's still out for another week. Ivan French might be available. Maybe bring him in back off the bench, perhaps. But I wouldn't change the starting lineup. I think the the eleven that started yeah. against uh, Melbourne City, yeah. I think, should probably go yeah. go you now on on Saturday night. Assume there's no injuries between winning, now and then. Winning form should be rewarded. Absolutely. So, essentially, that means you're going to see Young, Hingett, uh, Papadopoulos, Pepper, and O'Toole at the back. Yep. I suppose technically, they haven't done anything really to give you too much cause for concern. No. No, I think defense. I think defensively they're a lot more sold than you know early in the season. I think yeah, exactly as as Scott said, reward winning form. Yeah, all right. So I suppose if you're looking at patterns in the way the Raw's results have gone this season, you've got three losses, three draws, now one win. So if we're going to keep going on that pattern, so you're saying we should all bet on a Brisbane Raw win. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying gamble responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be on those ads in no time. You keep that up. Yeah. <laughs> no, the right there. Yeah. <laughs> Gamble responsibly. But, like, as we've said, though, in segment one, the Raw are building, and they are looking yeah. much better. And I'll be interested to see how Macaroni gets handled by the guys like Alex Wilkinson and yeah. Yordi Boyce, because they seem to have that strength that might, that'll either work really well where Macaroni will be able to just hold it up and play off them, or he's going to get absolutely manhandled and shut out of the game. And- but if they are focusing those two central defenders on him, that should open up something for Brett Holm and, and the two wingers to really make a run it in behind. Sh- it should. And the other thing is, Sydney has started slowly the last couple of weeks, and the Roar have been quite good in the first phase of the game. So I'd be interested to see if that continues again and if the Roar can catch Sydney early after their fatigue from the FFA Cup final. But mm. And if they can go one or two up early, you know, 
I don't know if Sydney will have the legs to really chase the game down. I'll be really interested to see who actually does play for Sydney FC. Well, with that in mind, Adam, would you go for, I suppose, fast start and blast them off the park, or would you maybe try and slow build? I think you need a combination of both. I think you start fast, but also get sort of in, in control. And then, you know, because like I said fatigue is going to be a factor. And like I said, no matter how you put no matter how fit the side's supposed to be, playing 120 yeah. minutes, you know, in what was a very, very high-tempo game, it's going to catch up at some point. So I think you, you always want to, no matter where you're doing, you want to try and start fast. But I think as well, but I think late in the back end of the game is where the Raw can win it. The other thing about fitness and intensity is the Raw started fast on Friday night, but they've also not put together a full 90 minutes of that yet. And they've got their own question marks over their fitness and all the rest of it, which I know is getting better, but it's not quite there yet. So, Yeah, it's not quite there, but I think from a confidence perspective, it will be interesting to see just how they go to start the game. All right, so I think we can move on to the other predictions and stuff. So we've got Thursday night, Newcastle against Melbourne victory. I'm actually backing Newcastle to win this game. Oh, really? I was actually thinking the other way. This is a great chance for Melbourne victory with O'Donovan and Jack Duncan, the goalkeeper out. So it's an, there's an excellent chance here for victory to go on a run as well. A core draw. Okay, so yeah. no advice from us here. Then. No. <laughs> got one, one, and one. All right, Friday night, Melbourne City against Perth. <laughs> Good luck with that. Oh, I think City bounces back. They're going to have to because Perth's I'm going to be seeing my niece and nephew, so... It's a far better option than two sides that have got their own problems to deal with. Yep. I really hope they haven't listened to this show. All right, then we've got uh, Saturday, Wellington and Central Coast in Wellington, so that'll be interesting. Wellington well-rested, but I fancy the Central Coast here. It might be a decent game, this one. I think Central Coast are building... I think they got put back on their heels a little bit with the loss Mm. uh, the other night, so... And then you've got... Adelaide against possibly the most well-rested side in the competition, Western Sydney. Yeah. I think it's the return of Gombau, but I think Adelaide fatigue, but I don't think it's going to be a draw as well. Fair enough. And let's get to the most important prediction, what we're thinking for the Raw on Saturday night. Adam. I think Brisbane Raw 2, Sydney 1. All right, so Adam's taking a 2-1 win. Scott, what have you got? I'm going with old reliable one all. I'm genuinely on the fence about this. Like... Sydney, I suppose, rightfully yeah. should be expected to win here, but you know what? I'm going to go... The Raw, the Raw have actually scored quite a lot in their last yeah. little while, so I'm going to go 2-2. Okay. It's one of those things it's hard to pick because the Raw have a lot of advantages, but Sydney's at home and they're very strong at home. And it's those intangibles yeah. as well that make it quite hard to pick. They've got 20 games at home unbeaten now or something. Well, it's got to win Crazy sometime. Like that, yeah. Actually, no. You know what? I'm going to go optimistic go here. It. Do it. 3-2 Raw. Okay, I'll stick with my 1-all. Yeah. 0-2-1, <laughs> but this has come from someone who's 0-7 this season, so... <laughs> That's not true. You got the draw f- against victory. Yeah! Scott's over. <laughs> really? <laughs> Am I really? I think so, yeah. Get in. <laughs> All right, so that's going to be it for this, this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Adam, Scott, thank you. Yeah, thank see you again, James. We'll Adam. talk to everyone next week, hopefully celebrating a Raw win in Sydney. We'll see what happens and talk to everyone later.